Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets getting set to get back on the ice tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators after a disappointing 4-2 loss last night at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. I'm Bob McElligot, and I'm joined by Jody Shelley, who is still in New York because last night he was working for TNT calling the Red Wings Rangers game. So, uh, Jody, you, you picked the right one to miss, sorry to say. Uh, the Blue Jackets just were not as sharp as they were on Monday night against the Boston Bruins. And I want to ask you, you know, Pascal Vincent, one of the things he pointed out in his postgame uh, press conference last night was that uh, the Blue Jackets have played a lot of games in a short period of time. I get that. He also said they were against uh, heavy teams. And when you look at, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins, yeah, there was uh, good competition that the Blue Jackets faced. As a player, you have to go through these stretches. Uh, you know what the schedule is. Uh, if you're a veteran player, you know what it is and how to handle it. If you're a young player – you're still making those adjustments. But between Thanksgiving and New Year's, how difficult a stretch is that as a player with the number of games that you're going to get in the number of days? When I think back to playing, I mean, and I think back to every season, you know, I, I every team goes through the schedule. I mean, there's 82 games. And, you know, some nights, like Boston the other night, was waiting for the Blue Jackets in their building, in their city, while the Blue Jackets were on the road and in Carolina and had to fly back. And, and But the Blue Jackets made that work and got the win. That, that was really impressive for me. That was a back-to-back set. Then they had a day off. Montreal flew in from the West Coast, which is never easy. Um, had a day. They actually practiced in Columbus yesterday and then played the game and won. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember it. I remember a grind, but it was like, you know, you took care of yourself and you got ready for every game. And that's just... That's just how the NHL is. So, you know, I know there's probably with him and this team, there's a lot of guys that haven't played this type of schedule. Adam Fantilli's last year, I mean, he played 30-whatever games in, in college, and then, you know, it was spread out a lot. Those are all things that happen in this league. That's why it's the best league in the world. So, yeah, that's that could be a factor, but to me that's not that's no excuse to lose a game at home after beating the Bruins. Um to me, the schedule, if you look at the schedule, it's going to get worse. I mean, they're going to go to Boston now. Boston's going to play in Toronto, I believe, on Saturday. And then Columbus is going to be in Boston on Saturday, waiting for them to play at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. And they got to fly back and do all that. So, you know, it works both ways. So it's a tough schedule. And, you know, to me, that's there's no reason to come out and play that way. And it's easy for me to say as a guy that, is not going through it right now and the intensity and how hard they have to play to win games. And you look at how they played against Carolina, uh, an exhausting mentally game, how they put the time in and stayed with the details and didn't get the victory, but they bounced back the next night and made Boston look bad. They, they did. I mean, Boston can say they, they weren't very good, but the blue jackets handed it to them in, in all facets of the game, checking and scoring and saves. So, um, you know, I, I really, I understand it because he uh, understands it from a different perspective as, as a coach and in the grind with them. But there, there's got to be a way to get 
be sharp for game time and, and, and play a complete game and get that win last night. And now they've got to bounce back and, and play tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators who are a little bit struggling as well. Well, just to back up what you were talking about with how busy it is, you've got Ottawa tomorrow night, as you said, in Boston on Sunday. Then you have to come right back here, play against the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday, get on a plane Wednesday, go to Long Island and face the Islanders on Thursday, and then come right back home and take on the St. Louis Blues on Friday. I look at this schedule, I look at this stretch, and I remember what you told me back when the Blue Jackets moved from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference when you said, Bob, keep a – Bag packed and by the door at all times because you're going to feel like you're never at home because it's always uh, in and out, in and out. It's true. I mean, the West Coast, you do do like two-week swings and then you'd be home for three or four weeks, you know. Uh, you'd pack a big bag, go get it done, get the games uh, finished, and then you're home and you know you're home. But, yeah, in the East, it's a lot of, you know, you go to New York for the Islanders, you leave on Wednesday, play Thursday, come home and play uh st louis at home on friday so yeah it's non-stop here you go off and back so get used to it bob yeah i've i've tried to over the years <laughs> i don't i don't know if i ever have or not um let me ask you about patrick Kleine. patrick had a goal last night but outside of that goal he really struggled during that game which has been unfortunately kind of a pattern here as of late um he admitted after the game when he was asked uh, what do you think about your game he said i thought it was terrible um, Pascal Vincent mentioned a couple of days ago that his hands are not back from that injury that he suffered. He just doesn't seem like he has his hands. There was one play last night that, that really stood out in a, in a bad way. Um, the Blue Jackets are on a power play. He can't play the puck along the boards. It goes out to the neutral zone. The, the Canadians are chasing, and he, he just stopped. He stood there. He didn't go after the puck, and Zach Wierenski had to come all the way across the ice and and make the play on the guy to, to prevent a goal from being scored. So when I see that, it tells me that Patrick Line is he's very frustrated, although being frustrated doesn't give you an excuse to not try to make that play. I understand all that. But when you see him play, what what do you what are you seeing with Patrick Line right now? Yeah, you know, I he's a he's a player with high expectations. And you know, when you're at that level and you've accomplished what he has as as far as putting boxing in that and and being a, a threat on the ice, you, we expect a lot, and, and he expects more from himself. So that's a tough place to be professionally when you're, you know, you, 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 you can sense that he's not feeling it right now and he's forcing it. And, you know, I, I think that he just needs to go out there and play free. And it's so easy to tell someone uh, to relax or play free, but you don't know what he's going through mentally as a, as a goal scorer and a guy that wants to play more minutes you know, he took that healthy scratch hard. He came back, and we were hoping for more of a response. So, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Line is a guy that should should be more of a threat when he's out there. You know, the the buy-in to the team and the battles is something that, you know, when you, when you are struggling, you always go back to the baseline. You, you take care of the six feet of ice that you, you're in, and you own it. And, and Maybe he needs to think about that, like more of a simple focus. And I said that before, and I think it was about Patrick, or maybe it was Johnny Goodrow, where you know Johnny seems to be going now. He's playing his game where he's playing better, where he he can slow people down, he can back people off. He he when he has the puck or doesn't have the puck, you respect him because he's such an elite player and playmaker. And Patrick Line to me, if you think about it, you put him at center, he misses time. You put him at wing, you put him back at center. Now he's on the wing. You know, there's an adjustment mentally. 
to me that all this the whole thing he must have a lot of thoughts in his head as far as being impactful on the game and sometimes when you're trying to be good at everything you're great at nothing and, and we know that everywhere in life so if, if you know maybe he just needs to take a step back and simplify and I go back to saying when line is having eight to ten attempts at net you know sh- shooting the puck he's backing people off he's putting the goaltender on notice he doesn't have every goal doesn't have to be a shot but every motion to me should be at the net for him and if I'm playing with him and I know he's just going to shoot the puck and he's not going to try to make that extra pay, play it makes it easier for me too and I feel like he's just a little stuck right now. So hopefully he finds the way to work out of it and, and, and you know, feel better about himself. I think that's what he needs as an athlete. Patrick Line, last night's game, played 13 minutes and three seconds. His line mates, Adam Fantilli, had 12 and a half minutes, and Alexander Texier had 11 minutes and 50 seconds. That line played the least of all the lines in last night's game. And that tells you something right there, uh, quite honestly. And even if you look at um, – you know, Boone Jenner's line, uh, you know, he was he was out there for a fair amount of time. But once again, it was the Sillinger, Baronkov, and Chinikov line that stood out. And then Sean Corrales. I, I, I don't even call Sean Corrales' line a fourth line anymore because it's, it's not, it, depending on the day. If they're playing as the fourth line, the way this team's going right now, if Corrales' line is the fourth line, it's a really good day because you have three other lines that are clicking because those guys have been the most consistent all season long. But um, let's talk about the cylinder chinikov Voronkov line. Ever since Pascal made that switch on Monday night, moving Voronkov to that line and taking Texier off of it, those guys really clicked. Yeah, and, you, and if you think about uh, Voronkov, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's keeping it very simple. He's a guy that understands his role. doesn't matter where you put him. He, he goes to the front of the net when he, gets, when he has an opportunity. He does that very well. He's good on pucks. He's hard to play against. He's physical and predictable. And you think about Sillinger, that's exactly what he needs, you know, that predictability. Then he's got Chinnikov, who he's familiar with, and now starting to feel good about himself with two goals in two games. And, you know, those are good things. And, and when you have a line that clicks, you're not going to change it. So it's good to see that. I mean, it's good to see those guys going. I feel like they've all worked to get where they're at and get together like that. That's like that's like the Corrali line. I mean, when you look at them, it's been consistent. Boone Jenner has been consistent with his effort. It's just this team needs to play all together, all guys, every single shift. So when you have a loss and there's holes, of course we talk about guys that didn't show up or guys that didn't make an impact, and it's usually the big guys. But I'm encouraged by that line. I like, you know, the young players like Sillinger. He's just done his business. He's just taken care of what he's had to this year, even going back to camp. And good to see him playing better and getting rewarded and finding some chemistry on the line because he's a guy who's played with a lot of different players uh, last year and this year. And it's nice to see him settle with guys that he understands and can play with. Here's my question about lines. If you look at tomorrow's game, you've got Ottawa here. Brady Kachuk, he has an edge to him. And usually if you can find a player on the other side with an edge, Matthew Olivier draws into your lineup. Now, we were just talking about these lines. If you're going to bring Matthew Olivier back into your lineup, who do you take out and where do you put him? because Robinson's played so well with Danforth and Corrali, but, but does he just become the guy that you have to take out of the lineup? Uh, do you take a Texier, who I think has struggled ever since he came back from his illness? Um, do you take him out? But if you take him out, then are you putting Olivier on a line with Fantilli in, in line A because you want to keep everything else intact? That's that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what direction they might go with that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always that's the tough decision for the coach when they've got, I mean, Andrew Peak has barely played. And, you know, he's been the guy that's played. I thought that two years ago he played great with Zach Wierenski. But there's things that coaches want within systems from players. Uh, to take Texier out, you know, you're thinking he's a pretty good penalty killer. You know, there's that one one dimension he's doing a very good job at. But, you know, I, I don't know why they make decisions. Uh, you know, they took Olivier out after they won those two games. Olivier was in the lineup for those two games and put Texier right back in there. And now they've lost. Um, a game, won a game, not lost a game. So there's inconsistencies there. So that's a, that's a, that's a big decision. But you know, once you start deciding what players you want to pull out, and is is Patrick not playing? I mean, that someone on that line would probably come off with uh, Fantilli because you know that's the line that played the least. But I don't know, Bob. It's um, it's going to be an interesting decision this way out because there have been stars benched, there have been stars healthy scratched. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think Pascal Vincent is is a guy to just just to make an easy decision, just to make it. And but we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, that goes to the old uh, the old line that's above my pay grade, right? Yeah, yeah, that's why we're uh, talking in the microphones and not in the back room with the whiteboard. Exactly, making those decisions. But it's fun to talk about. I mean, this is part of being a fan and, and someone who's in touch with the team because. We aren't going to make the final decision, but you know we can say those things and have an opinion on because we feel the same way. After losses, everything is – you wonder why. You go back to the drawing board. You look at the lines. You look at the efforts and, and the impact in the game and you know why you didn't win the game, and that's why you make their decisions is, is where they think the hole is or the holes, and, and that's why they'll make those adjustments. They've got players ready to go. All I could think about after that game last night was your words were echoing in my head that – when you're losing, the food tastes bad. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. Nothing is good. There, there's, there's nothing good that comes of it. And I'm sure a lot of guys went home last night feeling just that way about that game. Well, coming up next, we're going to be joined by veteran defenseman Ivan Provorov of the Blue Jackets. But first, I want to give you the opportunity to commemorate Boone Jenner's franchise record as our new all-time leader for games played. You can take home your own piece of the celebration with a limited edition silver Boone Jenner bobblehead. Get yours by going to jenner38.givesmart.com. Ivan Provrov joins Jody and I as the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank, continues here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets getting set for a game tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators at Nationwide Arena. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley back here with you. And we're joined right now by Blue Jackets defenseman Ivan Provorov. And Ivan, uh, first of all, tough one for you guys last night. Uh, that loss to the Montreal Canadiens. You played so well on Monday against the Boston Bruins and it just didn't look as sharp in that game last night. Uh, is there any one thing for that or is there a fatigue factor? or What happened in that one last night in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think our schedule has been pretty tough in the last, you know, uh, two, three weeks. But I think overall, we didn't have our best game. I think um, we find ways to, you know, play great when we play against good teams. And somehow when the teams aren't, you know, at the top of the, you know, standings uh, in the league, we don't play as well. I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's part of learning overall to be able to play the same way, um, bring the same type of energy every night. And, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, 
too many games so far this year where we had the lead and we let it slip away. So we gotta we gotta be able to <laughs> learn from that and uh, not do that again. Does that become frustrating as an older player? I mean, you've been in this league for a while. You've played in really competitive games. You played in the Stanley Cup playoffs before. Uh, as a as a guy with that kind of experience, does it get frustrating because you know you have younger teammates, you know they have to learn these kind of things. But even with that being said, you just want to go. You, you you know that it's one of those confidence things too, right? That once you once you get it as a team, you just get it and you know that you can beat those kind of teams. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, I think the frustrating part is that um, we have a way better team than the record shows, uh, and that's. That's the tough part, uh, you know, to lose a game and thinking, you know, looking back at it, we should have won, you know. So, but, I mean, it, bumps on the road, you know, and uh, I guess you, there's two ways you can either, you know, give up or learn from it and use it as motivation. And uh, I know that nobody's given up in that locker room. So, uh, you know, just another way. Another reason for us to continue to get better, and um, you know, uh, we'll make uh, you know whatever we achieve that much better. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. When you you lose a lot of one-goal games, and you look around the room at the guys that are the scorers on your team, and sometimes it's like, how can we not get one more goal with mm -hmm. this kind of uh, a roster? And defensively, maybe you give up an extra goal, and you look at uh, you and your guys on the blue line, and say, how do we give up one more goal? when we have this kind of a roster. So has that been the most frustrating part for you, just that, that what you just said? I know we're better than that. On paper, we're much better than that, but the performance just hasn't reflected what we have. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, especially offensively, I think we have a lot more as a team. I think we showed that on Monday that, you know, when you play the right way and make the right decisions at the blue lines, uh, our offense take care of itself and uh you know we just haven't done that often enough hey ivan you said uh you know you guys got to bring energy every night you bring energy every night every night i'm wondering where do you get that work ethic from um i think my dad kind of you know explained it to me <laughs> put that into me from a very young age that you know no matter how talented you are no matter how how good you are uh you know, nothing gets accomplished without hard work. Um, but at the end of the day, this is the best league in the world and everybody's good, you know, uh, at something, whether it's forechecking, backchecking, you know, making plays, scoring goals. Uh, but, and, you know, you can't control, <laughs> I guess, the talent. Uh, some, you know, players in this league have more than you. Some people have less than you, but you can definitely control the har how hard you work. And uh, like I said, without hard work, uh, you can't accomplish much. You took an interesting path to the National Hockey League, and at 13 years old, you came to North America. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and, and looking back with uh, what you've learned from that at a young age? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was definitely a difficult decision uh, for my parents. I think, uh, you know, let me come over here uh, at 13, uh, yeah, but... Overall, you know, I always wanted to play in the NHL, and I knew that the sooner I can come over, the sooner I can get uh, used to the culture, the language, you know, the ice surface, the way, uh, you know, the hockey's played in North America, um, 
I knew it was going to be best for me. So, uh, yeah, I came over, played two years of youth hockey, one year in USHL, and then two years in um, uh, two years in Brandon, and then and then at 19 I made the NHL. But I think overall, once once I got to the NHL, I was already adjusted to a you know, the lifestyle, the culture, you know, the language, and, uh, you know, the only thing I had to, you know, get used to was the hockey. So I think that that helped me a lot, and, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. You started in Wilkesbury, right? Yeah. Can you imagine that, Jody? You can go you can go anywhere in the world, and you wind up in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, there was a, a good team that was getting together, and, uh, you know, they needed, needed, they needed players, and, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we had a lot of players from, you know, not from the Wilkesbury area. You know, my first year we had, like, five Russians. My second year we had eight. We had five five Canadians, kids from other places in the States, like Buffalo and Connecticut. So it was kind of a, you know, a big selects team. And, uh, you know, we played like 100 games my first year, 100 games my second year. So uh, it was a ton of, ton of, uh, ton of games, ton of uh, playing experience. And, uh, you know, I think those first two years really helped me a lot. You know, it, we don't realize, and you know, I think sometimes we forget the, the language barrier. So for you, that must have been well, nice to have the other Russians on the team, but also a, a little bit scary experience. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just so, you know, excited for something new. Um, overall, I was, you know, hoping that that road was going to lead to the NHL. So, uh, you know, every day was fun and positive, and I was, you know, looking forward to learning the language or how the game is played over here. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, when you're a little younger, you don't, I guess, maybe think as much. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, wasn't, it was just kind of fun, uh, you know, just learning something new every day. I got to ask you, and we're talking with Ivan Provorov, Blue Jackets defenseman right now. My son last year went to Scranton and played uh, – junior college baseball mm -hmm. and Scranton's 20 minutes up the road from Wilkes-Barre mm -hmm. and I told him when he went there I said there's many days you're going to wake up and you're going to look out and you're going to say what am I doing here <laughs> and now you're coming over from Russia so completely different uh, for you I mean he's just a, a kid living in Ohio and now he's over in Scranton how many times did you ever wake up even as a young kid did you ever did you ever wake up and say man what am I doing here or was it just all positive for you um I don't think I ever had those days. I mean, usually, I would say ninety-nine percent of the days I wake up and I'm in a good mood, uh, looking forward to the day. And uh, you know, when you not at that time, but you were hoping then. But now you're, you know, you play a game for a living, uh, a game that you love. So uh, how could there be a bad day? When. Uh when you were you had a decision to make right if you were going to play junior hockey you actually thought about playing some college hockey didn't you yeah um i played uh in ushl at 16 and then at 17 i i had a choice whether to go to college uh a year earlier uh or uh go play major juniors so it was kind of a little bit depending on the, the import draft and how that turned out and um 
Yeah, I uh, ended up getting drafted by Brandon. Um, got a call from Kelly McCrimmon, uh, who was our owner, GM, and the coach at the time. And he was like, you know, we're going to have a good team and we would love to have you. And But to be honest, I had no idea where Brandon was on the map. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, you hear, you know, some teams from the o OHL and the, and the Q are interested in you because, and then you hear Brandon WHL. I'm like, where the hell is that? But um, those two years were fun. I mean, we had a great team. We won a lot of games. We scored a lot of goals. Um, yeah, um, that experience uh, was really helpful. And I think, um, you know, I was able to kind of keep working on my two-way game there. I've never been to Brandon, Manitoba. But I got to ask you, I know it's a small town there, but how similar was it to Wilkes-Barre? Uh, it's a lot smaller, but overall, I mean, uh, I enjoyed my time there. People are passionate there about hockey. Um, I mean, we had a packed bar in every, you know, every game, uh, 5,000 people coming and cheering on you. You know, when you play in juniors, that's, that's, that seems like a lot of people and seems like a very cool experience. So, uh, overall that, yeah, I had a great time there, uh, small town, but, uh, great people. Yeah, had you gone to college, what were you looking at? Uh, I visited, visited and talked to you know a few, uh, a few places uh, like Yale, Cornell, Penn State, but overall, I think I was going to go to Michigan. Yale and Cornell, Jody, I wouldn't be even in the mix. <laughs> yeah, so you must be uh, pretty smart, Ivan. Uh, I was pretty good in school. Um, yeah, I have that uh, kind of a, uh, you know, I. No matter what I do, I try to be, you know, best at it. So even if, you know, there, you know, in school there are subjects that I didn't necessarily like, but I just, I just still, I still wanted to do good because uh, I hate doing bad at something. So. And for those who don't know, Brandon Manitoba is about five hours north of Fargo, North Dakota, right, just over the border. Um, were you always a defenseman? Uh, yeah, I mean. Up until nine, I played like half the time D, half the time center, but probably from around the age of nine, I started playing D full time. You have some uh, Russian teammates here in Columbus, and um, it just how nice is that for you to have that? And, and what do you see in these young kids that uh, are, are in that locker room? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's nice whenever you have a teammate or teammates from the same country, you know, that speak the same language. Um, it's always great. I mean, they, you know, you kind of grew up similar, uh, similar. Um, so, uh, it's always nice to be able to have uh, teammates from Russia. I think, uh, you know, all of them are young, all of them got, you know, ton of upside and, you know, they're either on their second or second full year, first year, third year with, you know, a few bumps in the road. So overall, they're, you know, great kids, great, great people, um, ton of upside, great players. Uh, you know, they're willing to learn. They're a, they, they work hard. So uh, I think uh, I think they're going to be and already are uh, a big part of this team. When we had Fedorov and Jaredev here a long time ago, I remember they used. I think they used to go to. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was a restaurant or a store to get some Russian cuisine. Did I think. Find I, I think there's a store. Yes. Uh, I I went there once with Chinny, but uh, I 
<laughs> I got to stop by again. Yeah, you have to stop by again. Yeah. It's nice to have something like that in town. When you're on the road, do you guys ever find some Russian? Do you still eat the Russian cuisine? Uh, yeah. I mean, we there's a I mean, there's a restaurant in Washington. There's a restaurant in New York. Uh, uh, last trip to New York in Edmonton. Uh, I'm not sure, but I know there's one in Wash. I know there's one in New York. We ordered food uh, for all of us uh, in New York this past trip. And, and you said you're playing the music before the last game. It's nice to have that different culture in the room. Yeah, this is just the last song right before we walked out. But it's kind of like a techno dance music with a, a few words. So it's, uh, you know, everybody can listen to it. We're talking with Blue Jackets defenseman Ivan Provorov. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. But first, show your support for our community's first responders with a special ticket package for Friday, December 8th. That's next Friday night. Every ticket package you purchase includes a game ticket and an exclusive first responders jersey. Get yours by going to bluejackets.com slash first responders. You're listening to the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligot with Jody Shelley, and we're joined tonight by Blue Jackets defenseman Ivan Provorov. How do you like being a leader uh, in a locker room, Ivan? Because it changes quickly. You know, I remember being in a locker room and looking up to everyone and then all of a sudden realizing everyone's looking at me, or, or a lot of guys are. Mm-hmm. You enjoy that role? Yeah. I mean, I every since, you know, youth hockey, I've always been uh, uh, captain of my teams. I've always been a guy that leads by example. And, you know, when I got to the NHL, uh, you know, I felt like my first – even my first three years, I, you know, I was young on my, on my rookie deal, but I was trying to lead by example and, you know, play the right way, play as hard as I can every night. Obviously, you know, later on, year four, five, six, uh, obviously be, you know, trying to be a little bit more vocal. And uh, now in my you know, year eight, um, trying to lead, bo- you know, both ways, whether, you know, it's on the ice, by example, or it's off the ice, uh, you know, trying to help out younger player, like players like, you know, um, Chinny or Marchi or David or, you know, Ken Johnson when he was here or uh, Adam Fantilli, you know, just, uh, I think, uh, just conversations with older players when you're younger, really helpful and uh, helps you feel more comfortable and um, at the end of the day, you're on the same team trying to accomplish the same thing. So the more communication you can have, uh, the, the easier it is uh, for the team to be on the same page. Ivan, we were talking about you and the other Russian players. Monday night, four of you scored in the same game. First time four Russians have ever scored in the same game in National Hockey League history, which is kind of amazing when you think of mm-hmm. – you go back to those Detroit Red Wings teams back in the day and – how many guys they had, and it had never been done until you guys did it on Monday night. You were all very proud of your heritage and of your country. What did that mean to you to be a part of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, it means a lot. Obviously, uh, I think all of us, you know, love home, uh, love representing home. Um, you know, we're we're really happy that we got to be able to be a part of history. Um, you know, kind of a little funny how it all felt felt like that together. That you know, all of us scored a goal on the same night. Um, you know, we were just kind of joking around that said that all we needed is uh, 
Tarasov in net for and score an empty net that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danforth got the empty netter, and he at least played in the KHL. Yeah, so we, yeah, we, yeah, we said he's half Russian. <laughs> <laughs> Dmitry Voronkov, what have been your impressions of this guy since he's arrived here? And he was instrumental to you getting your goal in that game mm-hmm. against Boston because Jeremy Swayman, I, I don't, I still bet you he didn't see the puck. Mm-hmm. He probably doesn't know where it is. What a screen that he set for you to score that goal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, ever since he got called up, he's been a big help for this team. You know, he's a big body that moves well, you know, plays hard and can make plays. You know, he's got a great hockey IQ, so it's kind of rare to see when a guy that big has all the tools. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been a big part of this team, and uh, he's only, you know, what, 15 games into his career, so yeah. I'm sure he'll improve a lot and, uh, you know, continue to grow as a player. There was uh, talk about him being homesick and maybe thinking about leaving. How instrumental were you and your teammates in, in talking to him and, and trying to make him comfortable and, and let him know that, hey, you may not be home, but this is home. We're going to make this home for you. Yeah, I mean, the later you come, obviously the harder it is to get adjusted and then all of that and for sure you know when you come over as a 23 year old uh, uh, it's a culture shock you know everything's different um, you know you don't speak the language so a lot of times you can't even express what you want to say or understand other people uh, and overall as a group of us that been here for one two a lot of years uh, trying to help them any way we can but at the end of the day, no matter how mu- how much help you get, it's there's still an adjustment period. Whether it's for somebody, it's two months, somebody three, somebody six, somebody a year. So uh, it's just you know you just got to get through it, and then uh, eventually you'll feel more comfortable. You'll be able to talk and express yourself, and uh, um, things will get easier. Speaking of that. Igor Chinikov has come a long way now doing interviews in English. I know you're always right there for him just in case there's something that he, he can't get through to translate for him. But uh, there's a young man that's taken some big strides. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, obviously it's just getting to know him now uh, since I got traded here. But I think even since uh, September, he's taken big strides and uh, – that area being more comfortable, being more vocal around, you know, the team and teammates. And uh, um, like I said, the, when you come early, like I did when I was 13, it's, it's a little bit easier. You know, I, I went to school, I, um, you know, that helped me a lot. But when you come later on, when 19, 20, 23, uh, it's a little bit harder because, you know, you don't get as much exposure to language as maybe you should or you would uh, when you are younger. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's tough, but I think all of them are trying their best, and uh, I think they've done a great job so far. Hey, Ivan, I'm wondering about your adjustment uh, being traded. I mean, uh, you know, people don't realize your world gets thrown upside down quickly. you got to make new teammates, get a new city. How's it been for you in Columbus here? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, everybody has been so welcoming, uh, you know, Obviously, uh, getting traded in the summer, didn't really know what to expect. Uh, you know, spent a lot of gears in Philly. And, uh, you know, in the summer, you, you know, you kind of have mixed feelings about, you know, 
uh, you know, things not sitting right in the sense that, you know, you wish things went differently in Philly, but at the same time being really excited to, you know, join uh, Columbus and, you know, new opportunity, new teammates, uh, you know, especially, you know, even looking at the roster before getting here, knowing uh, how much skill this team has and, you know, the ability to put the puck in the net. So that was really exciting. And uh, once I got here, you know, I was able to see everything and meet everybody. And, uh, you know, the transition's been pretty easy, I would say. You enjoy the city? Are you impressed with the city? Can yeah, I mean, as a, you know, when you come, you know, as a visitor, uh, you would always come December, January, you know, it's windy and chilly and uh, you come in at 4.30 when it's dark, you don't get to experience a lot of times uh, the cities and see them for what they are. So once I got here and I got to uh, see downtown, I got to see all the suburbs and everything else, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it really impressed me. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big enough city to be able to do things and, you know, enjoy yourself, but at the same time, it's not as big and you're able to, you know, relax and chill and, um, you know, don't feel like uh, things are going 100 miles per hour. How does Drake also, like it? When you, when you get traded, it's um, kind of like a fresh start too, right? I mean, that that's sometimes people don't realize in the middle of their career that sometimes it's a really good thing to have a new start and have a different role or, or a bigger role or a changed role on a team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, uh, unfortunately, you know, the things in Philly didn't go uh, the way they, you know, both, I guess, parties hoped uh, they would. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, a fresh start was, uh, you know, a great opportunity for me to, uh, you know, be able to show who I am as a player and uh, be able to play my game. So uh, that was definitely an exciting part. And I think, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to compete. I'm here to, you know, do everything that I can to help the team win, um, you know, contribute offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully it will get us to the playoffs and uh, we'll see what happens there. How does Drake the pup star like Columbus, your golden retriever? <laughs> yeah. When your dog has 432,000 followers on Instagram, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Like that's hundreds of thousands more than I have on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, uh, I think he's enjoying his time here. Um, you know, I took him, we took him on the ice a couple times. Uh, he loves being at the rink. Uh, he loves being on the ice. Uh, whenever we, we take him, he doesn't want to leave. So, uh, I think uh, I think he's been enjoying his time here so far, and uh, hopefully we can uh, take him out to a game or something. All right, Ivan, thank you. We've enjoyed our time with you today. Really appreciate you taking that time with us, and best of luck to you against Ottawa tomorrow night. Mm, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That is Ivan Provorov of the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge right after this on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. Getting set to wrap up tonight's show. The Blue Jackets are going to be taking on the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night at Nationwide Arena. And uh, Jody Shelley, you were in New York last night and calling the game on TNT between the Red Wings and the Rangers. The Red Wings got some great news this week. Patrick Kane has made his decision where he's going to play, and it is in Detroit. Did that surprise you at all? 
Yeah, it really did. I mean, I've been listening to, you know, different markets talk about it. I, you know, Buffalo made sense. And when you, when you look at it, it made a lot of sense for him to go to Detroit. And I got to talk to him yesterday, Bob, uh, you know, part of the whole him showing up with the Red Wings in New York. And, you know, I, I was amazed at the process. It sounded like there were a dozen teams that he was looking at. Um, he, he was talking about his injury and how his hip actually couldn't turn one way for the last year and a half on the ice. He couldn't do tight turns one way because of his attribute of his uh, glute muscle on the back of his backside. It was it was not activated. It was shut down. So he's been working on that. And now he feels stronger. He feels better with lateral movement. Uh, he had a great interview with Derek Lalonde and, and Steve Eiserman and went through this entire process. And what I learned is that he is a he is a big student of the game. Like he loves the game. He's watched a lot of hockey. He likes the fit. And he actually talked about having less expectations with the Detroit Red Wings than he had last year with the with the Rangers. And that might be good for him and the team. So this team in, in Detroit, he's encouraged by the young players, but he's also encouraged by the older veterans that they picked up. And he sees a good fit with Debrinket. You know, he went last year to play with Panarin in New York. It didn't work out. He was disappointed. Everybody was with the Rangers that that didn't go better. And then, you know, he liked this team in the fit. And I, I guess he played his uh, minor hockey in Detroit. He moved there when he was younger and played for some of those teams in Detroit to start and then moved on from there and to London, Ontario, and then the National Hockey League. So uh, just uh, it, it was it was a, it was fascinating to hear him talk about it. And um, it, they'll be excited. It'll be a it'll be a very interesting fit there. And of course, everyone in, around the, the Detroit Red Wings organization was just a buzz yesterday I think we've talked about this before when Steve Eiserman went to Detroit you just assumed knowing it was a full-blown rebuild you just assumed it was going to go the same way that they did it in Tampa where you know they drafted they developed they left the players in in the, the American Hockey League for a while to the point where they won a championship the next year they went to the Calder Cup final um, they had a group that was they were ready to win the moment they stepped in um, but before that, they were kind of at the NHL level. They were, you know, they were kind of middling, uh, muddling along there, whatever. In Detroit, it's been a little bit different because you're not outside of Mo Sider, um, what Lucas Raymond. When you talk about young players, you can talk about them. But you see what they've done in the last two years. They've picked up a lot of experienced veteran NHL players, just like Patrick Kane, and uh, they've made themselves very competitive by doing that. They have a very nice mix. And when you look at the veteran guys they have, Andrew Kopp is a nice pickup. You know, they've got they this Wallman kid is good. JT Comfort, they signed to a long term contract. Gosses Bear is on a short term contract. DeBrinket's locked up. Larkin was out last night in their loss. Now they add Kane. Yeah, the veteran pieces they have are a really nice mix. And their young guys aren't so young anymore you know I know most siders still a little young but Lucas Raymond is a little more Clem Costin comes in and adds that element um and they play hard so yeah I, I like the value of the veteran player there and then I think they did it at the right time when these guys are, are you know they have good players in the minor leagues too Bob that are going to be better so yeah they, they they're an interesting team they'll be knocking on the door of the playoffs uh come that time of year because they have their goaltending's been holding up and the way they they're built and the way that they um, play it, it it's uh, it's definitely a team to watch with uh, with those veterans. All right, before we uh, close it out here, I want to talk to you 
Uh, just a little bit about tomorrow night's opponent, and that is the Ottawa Senators. The Senators are a team that came into the season with a lot of expectation, uh, but right now they're coming in in last place in the Atlantic Division. It has been a, a struggle for this team. What do you expect to see from Ottawa tomorrow night? Yeah, they're a team that's really uh, – you're right. The expectations are extremely – are a lot higher than where they're at. Uh, you know, they're a team that, again, they're going to play hard. They're a team that D.J. Smith has got those guys or had those guys playing hard. They've got some grit to their game. But it seems like they're finding ways to lose games as well. So, I don't know. They're struggling. I, you know, when you're in that Canadian market and the pressure and you start getting on that side of it, it gets really bad really quick. And you look at Edmonton, they seem to have turned things around a little bit out there. Already got a new coach in. But it sounds like D.J. Smith is trying to survive through this. They're going to try to play some, some better hockey, but they'll be coming at the Blue Jackets tomorrow. They've got grit. They've got leadership. They've got skill. I know they have a couple injuries, but I expect them to come hard. At, uh, it should be a good good test for the Jackets tomorrow night. Well, and the reason for the expectations at the beginning of the year is because they already had a, a good core of players there. They feel that they solved their goaltending problems when they signed Jonas Corposalo as a free agent during the summertime. But even more importantly, Jody, they got a new ownership group now. And uh, there's excitement in Ottawa because there was, when Eugene Melnick owned it, there were always a lot of questions there. He passes away. His family sells the team. And now there's new ownership. There's talk about getting a new rink there in the near future. And and that's why everybody was a buzz. And I'm sure this has been uh, quite a blow. And when you're talking about DJ Smith, yeah, He's done a good job with this team, but right now, you know, you would think that he's got to start doing a better job because, as you said, Edmonton's already made a coaching change, and that's turned things around. Minnesota just made a coaching change the other day. I mean, that is that's the easy way to try to uh, to cure your ills, as they say. Well, yeah, I mean, and when you have ownership, how long new ownership? You know, that means change, and and how long can they stay patient with this when they have a team that they expect more of so that is an interesting story to watch for sure all right well jody thank you very much uh, for joining me from new york hope you had a great time last night and safe travels getting back and we'll see you at nationwide arena tomorrow night when the ottawa senators are here thank you very much yeah i can't wait to get back and hopefully the jackets can get back on a little bit of a, a winning curve here all right that's jody shelley here tonight uh, also thanks to ivan Provorov for joining us here on the inside edge tomorrow it's the blue jackets and the ottawa senators seven o'clock at nationwide arena pregame coverage starts at 6 30 tomorrow night right here on the fan that's going to do it i'm bob mckelligan saying so long and thanks for listening to the inside edge presented by first merchants bank here on 97.1 the fan